It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And this episode is presented by PFF Fantasy. PFF offers the most in-depth stats and analysis to give you a massive edge over your competition. Use their data-driven projections and matchup tools to find breakout players. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long. Helps you optimize every draft pick, trade offer, DFS lineup, whatever. Sign up at PFF.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order. If you're a high-stakes dude, join PFF Elite to access their green line game picks. Again, go to PFF.com, use promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. His name is Joe Dolan. My name is Ross Tucker. Together, we are the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Joe is, according to Fantasy Pros, the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world. Check it out, fantasypros.com. They evaluate everybody's pre-draft rankings, and Joe's won, whatever it is, Joe, four out of the last five years, which is insanity. You're kind of like the Fezzik of fantasy football, which I love, I I want the best. I tried to go for the best. That is my goal. I will let you know actually this week on Twitter who won the NFL Game Pass code. So I'll let you know on Twitter. Make sure you're following me at Ross Tucker NFL because that is where I'm going to let you let you know. Speaking, by the way, of NFL Game Pass, I am borderline obsessed at this point. I absolutely love NFL Game Pass. So in the preseason, you're able to watch every game live. Now you can watch the coaches film. You can watch the condensed version. You can watch the broadcast version of any game, any game. So if you want to watch your fantasy dudes to have a better feel for whether or not they should be in your lineup or not, the condensed version is a great way to do it. It's better than just checking out the stats You can get a seven-day free trial now. Get it now. Check it out. Sign up at NFL.com slash Fantasy Feast Eaten. That's NFL.com slash Fantasy Feast Eaten. E-A-T-I-N. Game Pass is the bomb. Legit can't imagine not having Game Pass. Don't understand people that don't. It is uh, amazing. Big, big fan of Game Pass. Also a big, big fan of... Of getting to the rest of our games, Joe. Let's do it. Let's start this episode. Colts, Chargers. Um, Actually, I take that back. We got to start Titans-Browns since I forgot about that one yesterday. Titans and the Browns. I'm not liking what the Titans are picking up and putting down, buddy. How about you? Oh, God, no. Uh, uh, Ross, I've been off the Marcus Mariota bandwagon for over a year now. I, The guy just keeps getting worse. And I know last year you have all these excuses. Oh, the number of coordinators. And, well, maybe one of the reasons the coordinators are leaving and getting fired is because of the quarterback, Ross. Uh, you know, that was an excuse for Sam Bradford for a long time as well, and it didn't necessarily work out there. On top of that, he gets hurt a lot. 
I am not liking anything with the Titans right now. Um, Delaney Walker, I think, uh, in the tight end one conversation. The Browns struggled with tight ends last year. Uh, Corey Davis is probably in your lineup just because of his talent as a number three receiver. Mariota's not even worth a consideration. The question I have now is the backfield. Derrick Henry, they built their offense around him at the end of last season. But, Ross, you know how this works. This is a guy who everything has to go right for. There has to be positive game flow. The offensive line has to be blocking well. Oh, and by the way, they're going to be missing Taylor Lewan in this game uh, because he's suspended. So their best offensive lineman's out. Derrick Henry missed all of the offseason pretty much, or all of training camp with that with that injury, the lower leg injury. Not really feeling great about him. I'd knock him down to an RB3 level this week, especially because the Titans are touchdown underdogs here to the Browns. Well, let's get to the Browns because they there's a lot there. You got yes. Chubb, you got Baker, you got Odell Beckham Jr. Start them the all. The tight ends. Start them if you got them. Uh, it's start them if you got them for, for – the Browns, with the possible exception of, of Jarvis Landry, I could see a scenario where if he's in your mix for your flex spot, there's somebody you like a little bit more. I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Jarvis Landry here, Ross, because Baker Mayfield and Rashard Higgins had a hell of a connection during during the end of last season and uh, in, in training camp and the preseason this year. So is Jarvis Landry going to lose snaps? Is he going to lose targets? This is a guy who's always been driven by volume. And without that volume, he hasn't been a useful fantasy player. Is he going to get enough volume to produce at the levels we're used to? I have a lot of questions about that. And David Njoku, Ross, you mentioned this with the Eagles on yesterday's podcast. I almost wonder if this is a situation where there's just only one football and David Njoku isn't going to get enough targets to be fantasy relevant. Let's move on to the 4 o'clock games, and we'll start there with the Bengals and the Seahawks, the only 4.05 p.m. Eastern time game. Giovanni Bernard, fresh off an extension. And I'm curious as to what you got on Mixon, Dalton, Boyd, and the Bengals. Well, the Gio Bernard thing, now there have been beat writers saying that Zach Taylor and his staff came in here and thought he was underutilized last season. And, you know, you always say that with with Giovanni Bernard, and we've heard it for years. Oh, they're going to get him more involved, and they never do. But the constant there was Marvin Lewis. He is gone now. What is Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, his offensive coordinator, going to do with Gio Bernard? This is without a doubt, Ross. A knock to Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon was a guy who earlier in the offseason was taken consistently ahead of guys like Dalvin Cook, was taken consistently ahead of, of, of guys like Nick Chubb, was taken ahead of guys like James Conner. And all three of those guys leapfrogged him, and I understand it. The question I have about the Gio Bernard extension is how much of it had to do with the fact that Rodney Anderson, the rookie running back, tore his ACL again during the preseason. Um, I, I wonder if that kind of really push them to do this extension, but he's the clear two, not somebody you can play for fantasy. Joe Mixon is in my lineup. I probably want to treat him more as an RB2 at this point, but other than that, I mean, Tyler Boyd, that's it. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a team that's going to stink, Ross. They are 10-point underdogs right now to the Seahawks. 
Um, they have the second lowest projected implied point total of the week after the Dolphins. And by the way, the Dolphins, you might as well get used to them having the lowest projected point total because it's going to happen quite a bit. But the markets think the Bengals are absolutely terrible. And as we know, Ross, that's not really a great spot uh, for running backs if the team is going to be consistently behind. We need Joe Mixon to catch passes. The problem is if they're going to get Gio Bernard more snaps, he's going to catch some passes too. So I really want to see how they use both of those guys in this game. So in terms of the Seahawks, we know about Russell Wilson. What about the receiving core? Tyler Lockett, you play every week. Um, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with DK Metcalf. Lockett's in, a, in an awesome spot. He was the most efficient receiver in the NFL, like arguably NFL history last year, Ross. Uh, his level of efficiency was only matched by Jordy, Jordy Nelson in 2011 uh, in terms of in terms of yards per target um, with the number of targets he had. He just had an unbelievable season. Russell Wilson had a perfect passer rating throwing him the ball. So they really should be focusing on getting the ball in Tyler Lockett's hands more. However, this is an outright smash spot for Chris Carson. 10-point favorites. They're going to run the ball anyway. I wouldn't be shocked to see Chris Carson get 25 to 30 touches in this game, get in the end zone. He is going to be hammer chalk in DFS. Start him with confidence as an RB1 this week. What I am interested to see is how much they work in Rashad Penny. Yep, I, I am as well. That's going to be interesting. There actually is another 405 game. It's Colts-Chargers. I lied. Colts. Brissett gets the start, and he's got the contract extension to go with it. Is there a place for Jacoby Brissett in fantasy football? Uh, there could be, just not not right away in one quarterback leagues. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he becomes a really popular streamer in good matchups a little bit later. Ross, I, I'm sure you've watched Brissett. I mean, this this he doesn't stink. I mean, he. I know he was a backup. He was a third-round pick, but I'm sure you've talked to our guy Greg Cosell about him too. There's a lot to like with Jacoby Brissett. I would agree, and I and I'm curious what that means. We know if you have Ty, he's in your lineup. What about any other receivers or tight end or running back, both of which are kind of committee deals? Uh, I I think you can maybe take a shot on Eric Ebron just to see if the red red zone magic continues. T.Y. Hilton, I, we didn't knock him as much as you might have thought in our rankings. I think we dropped him from like 11 to 17th um, only because this is a really good receiver. And I think Jacoby Brissett is good enough to get him the ball. Here's the problem I have, Ross. Last year, when the Colts were behind, Naeem Hines played significantly more snaps than Marlon Mack. And the Colts are touchdown underdogs in this game against the Chargers. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a game in which Naeem Hines plays more snaps than Marlon Mack. He was getting phased out later in the season last year, but this is a new season. They are saying three down work for Marlon Mack, but I wonder how much of that was predicated on Andrew Luck being the quarterback. I'm knocking Marlon Mack to kind of a flex this week, especially because we know this Charger defense is good. The Colts do have, I believe, the third, uh, the fourth lowest implied point total behind just the Dolphins, Bengals, and Redskins this week. So with Marlon Mack, I'm knocking him down, and I think you could take a shot on Naeem Hines as a flex this week. What about for the Chargers? I'm thoroughly, thoroughly disgusted by their offensive line it's not good oh. and it just stinks man this happens every year it really does that, 
I mean, I, you can't predict what happened with Russell Okung. They just signed Mike Pouncey to an extension. But, Ross, this this Colt team, they played well defensively last year. Chris Ballard has done a good job building this team in the trenches. So I wouldn't be surprised if this actually becomes a little bit of a lower-scoring game from the Chargers' perspective than you might think. Now, you're starting Keenan Allen if he's healthy. Keep an eye out on that, but I think he's going to play. You're starting Mike Williams, and you're probably starting Austin Eckler. But I might not want to throw Phillip Rivers into my lineup. Remember, this is a team that ran under 60 plays per game last year. They were one of the slowest teams in the entire NFL, and that really hurt Phillip Rivers' overall numbers. So, Allen and Williams, I think, are in your lineup. Hunter Henry is certainly in your lineup. With the backfield, I'm confident in Eckler as kind of a lower-end RB2. Justin Jackson, more of a number three type. I want to see what happens at the goal line because Eckler fumbled in one of those situations earlier. But uh, we know Melvin Gordon's not going to be there. So the Chargers are kind of, aside from that backfield, are a well-defined team. I want to start Allen. I want to start Williams. I want to start Henry. Probably shying away from Rivers because I don't see a ton of upside. I'm almost certainly starting Eckler, and I'll take a shot on Jackson. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. What about receivers and tight end? Keenan well, I mean, Allen, Keenan, Henry. Yeah, Allen, Allen, and Mike Williams are definitely in your lineup. Allen, uh, if he's uh, of course if he's out there, uh, he has had the injury here late in uh, late in training camp and preseason. Allen's in your lineup. Mike Williams is in your lineup. He gets a boost if Allen misses or is limited at all. And Hunter Henry was drafted as a top five tight end. I think Hunter Henry, he could be a huge breakout candidate this year, Ross. Very few tight ends have put up the efficiency numbers that Hunter Henry has uh, in his career to this point. And if, if you're worried about him coming off the injury, remember this. He played in the playoffs. He tore the ACL last spring, and even though he didn't do anything, he was healthy enough to play in the playoffs. That's a huge boost to Hunter Henry's stock in my mind. I am throwing him. There's there's no situation in which I'm benching him. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what ends up happening there. How about Niners and Bucks? How about the Niners? There's a lot to talk about there. Jimmy G, the running backs. We know about Kittle, the wide receivers. Give me some Niners love. Well, first and foremost, Ross, I want to talk about this game in general because this is your sneaky DFS stack of the week, this game. The, the, it's over-under is 49.5. That makes it the, the fifth highest projected total, and it's a pick em. So really, the markets don't really know which of these two teams is better. They do know that they're going to score points. So if you're looking for a sneaky DFS game to stack, this is the one. For the Niners in particular— I'm not necessarily comfortable starting Dante Pettis in week one, but Ross, did you pick up on the fact that Kyle Shanahan seemed to be giving him tough love? They were saying, I want him to earn a spot on this team, but I never really got the vibe that he was buried on the depth chart. It felt like, frankly, Ross, they were trying to kick him in the ass a little bit. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. So I think Dante Pettis is in the wide receiver three uh, conversation. I think Marquise Goodwin against this awful Buccaneers defense is a great guy to take a shot on in DFS, maybe use him as a flex. And the guy I'm really interested to watch in this receiving core is Debo Samuel. I want to see how they use him. I'm actually – I have to use him 
in a in a deeper 14 team league in which I drafted AJ Green and I'm not going to have him for a couple of weeks. So I'm I actually have to use him and I hope he gets some targets here, but he's going to be one of their top 3 receivers. He's a tough guy. They can get him the ball in space. I think he's he plays very physically. So Debo Samuel is a guy I'm interested to watch this week. Obviously George Kittle's in your lineup and then in the backfield. Tevin Coleman I think you can use him as a high-end RB2 this week against this Buck defense. And I also think Matt Breida is a flexible type of player. Jimmy Garoppolo, one quarterback league, probably not taking a shot. But again, this is somebody I'd consider in DFS. On the other side, the Bucks, no risk it, no biscuit. Uh, their running back situation is kind of a mess. I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable to me that they haven't added anybody else is there anybody to play there? Anything to say there? Well, uh, here here's the deal with uh, the backfield. I'm not starting any of these guys right now. Um, the Ogumbawale, the receiving back, is the guy I'd keep my eye on. Ronald Jones was awful last year, Ross. I don't think we saw anything in the preseason to suggest he significantly improved. So I'm shying away from him. Peyton Barber was boring last year. He wasn't really a great fantasy asset. Agumba Wale is the guy I'm watching, but I don't want to start any of these guys this week. Where we are starting, guys, quarterback with Jameis, the wide receivers Godwin and Evans, and O.J. Howard at tight end. All four of these guys should be locks for your lineup, uh, maybe with the exception of Jameis. But once again, in this spot, the projected total is massive. I would feel pretty confident putting Jameis into my lineup. A lot of these guys, a Jameis Mike Evans or a Jameis Godwin or a Jameis Howard stack, that's going to be really popular in DFS this week. So with this projected total, I think it's bombs away for Tampa Bay and with Bruce Arians. I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. How about Giants and the Cowboys? Now, I said this before. I'll say it again. We record straight from 2.30 to however long it takes us to record on Tuesday afternoons. As of right now, 3.25 p.m. Eastern, this is episode two. We break them in half just so they're a little more easily digestible. Zeke has not signed, but just on reports that it's six years, 90 million, and just a it's. I, I think by the time people listen to this, Joe, He'll be in the lineup. I guess the question is whether or not how many touches they'll give him. Yeah. Well, the Cowboys are going to be uh, seven-point favorites at home. They're going to be touchdown or more favorites against the Giants. And uh, I was listening to a sports handicapper talk about the running back position in general, Ross. And he said only two backs in the NFL are considered important enough to move a betting line by a point or more. That's Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Both of them are playing in this game, uh, presuming Zeke signs his contract, which I think he will. I think Ezekiel Elliott Ross is going to eat in week one. I don't think they're going to sign him and then play him 30% of the snaps behind Tony Pollard. I think at home, they want to show off their toy, the guy they just rewarded with their big contract at home. I think Now, that doesn't mean Tony Pollard's not going to play. But I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to get his typical 15 to 20 carries. He's going to get some receptions. If I drafted Ezekiel Elliott, especially if I got a discount on him because of the contract negotiations, I am going to be thrilled to start him in this atmosphere against the Giants in week one. You're going to be seeing that that gesture that, that Zeke does, the, the, the uh, eating cereal gesture. He's going to be doing that a lot, in my opinion. How about uh, other guys on the Cowboys? Dak 
and I don't think you're not touching a tight end there, but Dak, how about even Amari coming off the injury? Yeah. Any hesitation there? Uh, I'm probably playing. I'm probably considering him more as a wide receiver too. I don't think he's someone who I'm downgrading enough that you can take him out of your lineup based on where you drafted him. Again, Ross, here's the problem: because we're coming off the preseason, we don't have all the information about these injuries because teams haven't had to release that information. So we're, we are still playing a little bit of a guessing game with these injuries. But I think Cooper, he's practicing this week. I think you're going to be fine starting him. And keep in mind, Dak Prescott was a top eight fantasy quarterback after the Amari Cooper trade. I think you can make the argument he was one of the most underdrafted players in all of fantasy football this offseason. So I think you can take a shot with Dak Prescott here. Dallas projected team total is going to be around 27 points. That's pretty high. So I would feel comfortable putting Dak Prescott in my lineup. And a guy I am willing to take a shot on, Ross, if I need a wide receiver three, is one of my favorite breakout candidates this year, Michael Gallup. His hookups with Dak Prescott, were they, they, were, they were prolific during the preseason. I think he takes a big step forward. Michael Gallup. I like it. Okay, how about on the other side with the Giants? You heard it here first, Joe. If you have Saquon, you're going to want to put him in the lineup. I'm just Ross, telling you uh, that. This is why I'm doing the podcast with you, Ross, because you are always <laughs> ahead of the curve. And, Who uh, else, yeah. though, for the Giants in all sincerity? I mean, obviously, Saquon, Evan Ingram. Is there anybody else that's in your lineup? Yeah, those are your two hammers, Saquon and Evan Ingram. You don't even give a thought to Eli Manning at this point. And I think for a wide receiver three, take a shot on Sterling Shepard. Who else is getting targets at this receiver position, Ross? Benny Fowler? Cody Latimer? Golden Yikes. Tate suspended? I, I think Sterling Shepard, he could be... He could be more of a volume guy at this point. Eli isn't throwing the ball down the field a whole lot. I expect, I act, to be completely honest, I think their top two receivers and targets this year are going to be the tight end and the running back, which speaks to how I view this quarterback. But, I mean, I think Sterling Shepard is somebody you can plug in as a wide receiver three. Just keep an eye on the injury report because we know he missed time during the preseason. I would also tell you to keep an eye on your debt, especially if you have credit card debt. Guys, I get it, right? It happened when you're in your 20s. But as you get a little bit older, or even if you are in your 20s, you should not be paying that 19% APR. Credit cards, that's insane. Absolutely insane. Right now, you can get a credit card consolidation loan from my dudes over at Lightstream with a rate as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. That loan is between 5K and 100K. And there's absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. Here's the deal wipe out your credit card debt and just pay back less than 6% APR to Lightstream instead. They'll wipe it out for you. Just for you guys, they'll even give you a special interest rate discount. The only way to get the discount, though, is to go to lightstream.com slash feast. Again, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash feast. Subject to credit approval, of course. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash feast for more information. Joe, I want more information about the next game on our schedule, Lions and the Cardinals. These are a couple interesting ones. Lions, what do I need to know 
about the Lions skill guys, carry on and Stafford and the boys. Well, Stafford was was barely drafted in most redraft leagues this year, Ross, which shows you how far he's falling off. Uh, they obviously brought in Daryl Bevel, which means they want to build this offense around the run game. Again, I, I, I mentioned this before. You can argue all until you're blue in the face about whether or not that's the right move. That doesn't change the fact that they're doing it, and we need to adjust based on that. So they want on Johnson uh, to carry this offense. I want to see about Frank Ragnow. I want to see if he's going to be in the lineup. We'll check the injury reports. But the, the Lions, I think, are in a really interesting spot here for DFS, Ross, because the Cardinal defense look like a colander during the uh, during the preseason. They were not good last year. I don't think they're going to be good. So the Lions are in an interesting DFS spot. From a redraft perspective, I am definitely starting Galladay. I am definitely starting Marvin Jones as like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four type. Uh, Stafford is actually in consideration for streaming, though we don't really – not a whole lot of guys are interested in streaming week one, but he's a DFS option. And I'm putting on Johnson on my RB1 tier this week. I think putting on into your lineup, I think he can catch 50 to 60 passes. Uh, beat reporters were talking him up as a receiver all offseason. If the Lions are going to build around the run game, Carryon Johnson is the guy. And I don't know about you, Ross. When I watched him last year, he looked like a more athletic, more elusive player than I remembered watching at Auburn. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Um, he, he looked pretty darn good. What about on the other side with the Cardinals? Obviously, well, Kyler, what do you got? You know, Kyler's startable. Um, now, the Lions, again, you got Darius Slay, who's one of the best corners in the NFL. Um, so the question is, Darius Slay, who is one of the few guys who will actually shadow, is there somebody they would shadow here? Would they shadow Christian Kirk, who's going to be their primary outside receiver? I'm not too sure about that. I want to see how they use Keyshawn Johnson. Um, I, I'm going to put Larry Fitzgerald on the wide receiver four tier right now. I'm okay starting Christian Kirk as my wide receiver three this week. Kyler Murray, I'm fine starting him this is actually a pretty uh this game is lined at 47 and a half right now which is uh which believe it or not is one of the top six or seven games in terms of projected score so it it really seems like they the markets believe the cardinals are going to play with pace and if you play with pace even if you're not great you're going to have more opportunities for guys to catch passes, more opportunity for Kyler to throw passes, more opportunities for Kyler to run, and more opportunity, obviously, for David Johnson to get get carries. So I think the Cardinals are they're not going to play slow. We know that. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know how to play slow. So I think we're going to see a lot of plays run in this game from the Cardinals' perspective. I'm not so sure from the Lions' perspective, but from the Cardinals' perspective, we are going to see a lot of plays run, which means I think... Kirk, Fitzgerald, Murray, and obviously David Johnson are all startable. I like it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play fast. It's going to be fascinating. How about Sunday night football? It is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots. Uh, We know about James Conner. I'm assuming he is in lineups. What about Vance McDonald? I'm guessing the same. You tell me about Vance McDonald and the receivers for the Steelers. Well, I was harping all offseason, Ross, that there were eight tight ends that I felt comfortable drafting as a starter. Um, And the bottom two of those were Jared Cook, who we'll talk about, and Vance McDonald. If I drafted one of those eight, barring I don't have another one of the eight, 
I am starting that guy, and I actually think Vance McDonald would be flex-worthy uh, if not. I think he's he's primed to have a big season here. Um, it's easy. Connor and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, we don't have to talk about those two. They're definitely in your lineups. Roethlisberger, I would lean towards putting in my lineup, but he does have the bizarre home road splits. This is a primetime game. New England is a five and a half, six point favorite, depending on where you watch that, uh, depending on where you shop. So it is a high scoring game projected. It's the third highest of the week behind Kansas City, Jacksonville and Houston, New Orleans. So I think Roethlisberger, you're probably starting as well. The question I have elsewhere for the Steelers. Who is going to be their number two wide receiver? During the preseason, James Washington lit it up, but he lit it up with the second team, Ross. They consistently played Dante Moncrief above him, and you can see why. I think it was in the third preseason game, uh, Mason Rudolph targeted James Washington on a little bit of an out pattern. Washington stopped his route. And the, and the ball was intercepted. So it feels like there's a little bit of a trust issue with James Washington. I'm probably not starting either he or Moncrief until we get real regular season data about how these two guys are going to be used. Okay, I think that's fair. What about the Patriots? I mean, so much talk about their pathetic receiving core, and now it's like Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Demarius Thomas. I mean, looks okay to me. It does look okay to me, Ross, and I think there's uh, multiple guys who I can start here. Sony Michelle, I really want to see if this involvement in the pass game is going to come true. They say he did it in college. He did not do – I think he only caught six passes last year. They, he did it in college. I know he can do it. But the question here becomes, if you have a James White, a guy who is arguably one of the two or three best – I don't even know if that's arguable – a guy who is one of the two or three best receiving backs in the NFL – why would you use targets on Sony Michelle? That doesn't mean both guys can't be productive for fantasy, but that is the question I have. They want Michelle to become a little bit more versatile, but you already have one of the most versatile guys in James White. So I'm, I'm not convinced James White's role is getting reduced here. So I'd start both Michelle and James White as RB2s in PPR. Uh, Julian Edelman is in my lineup, locked in wide receiver two. Josh Gordon Ross is a little bit tougher. I'm going to venture to guess that he's going to be in most lineups, but not every lineup. I I think if if you drafted early, you might have drafted him as like your fifth wide receiver, and you might have four guys you feel better about. You just had the luxury of Josh Gordon getting reinstated. But I think with the Patriots lined at an implied team total of 28, which is the second highest tied for the second highest of the week with the Chiefs and the Eagles – I think you can make an argument that Josh Gordon should be in your lineup as kind of a wide receiver three. I think his total upside this year, Ross, is like Brandon Cooks was when he was in New England a couple seasons ago. 65 catches, 1,100 yards, five to seven touchdowns. You probably, I think if I, if you could tell me that's what Josh Gordon's season is, I'd be thrilled with it. It wouldn't be what he did in 2013, but we're not drafting LaShawn McCoy based on what he did in 2013 either. So with Josh Gordon... I think I play him as a three, and I feel pretty good about it. Tom Brady, his uh, his stock's looking a little bit better than it did at the beginning of the summer, Ross. And I wonder if we're all going to be foolish in the fantasy industry or if we're going to be looking foolish because we ranked him at like 19 all off season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty a, a pretty good point. The, the, the Patriots are always fascinating for fantasy purposes and real purposes. Yeah, they look about- loaded again, Ross. I, I, I do want to see if a tight end emerges here, though. Well, that's yeah, that's interesting. interesting. How about um, 
How about Monday night? It is the Houston Texans at the New Orleans Saints. We'll start with the Texans. They did get a new left tackle in Laramie Tunsil. He's a very good player. That certainly helps. What does that mean for Duke Johnson? I know Deshaun Watson's in the lineup. I know DeAndre Hopkins is in the lineup. Tell me about Duke Johnson and their the rest of their receivers, Stills, Fuller. Is there somebody there that should be in a lineup, maybe a DFS play? What do you got? Well, I want, first and foremost, Ross, after I talk about Duke Johnson, I want you, because this is your area, I want you to give us a breakdown on Laramie Tunsil because this is a fascinating trade from, from multiple levels. I'm going to tell you this. The Texans picked up Carlos Hyde uh, in a trade because the Chiefs were going to cut him. And the, t- the Texans, I think they traded a backup tackle for him, um, somebody they were going to cut. So it was a guy we're going to cut for a guy we're going to cut trade. I did not move Duke Johnson down one iota after they added Carlos Hyde because I had built into the fact with Duke Johnson, whether it was going to be Demari Crockett, who they ended up cutting, whether it was going to be Karan Higdon, whether it was going to be Taiwan Jones, whoever. If it was going to be any of these guys, I did not think Duke Johnson was going to get 200 carries. I really did not. And I, I think he's still their best running back. I think he's still somebody who's going to catch 50 to 60 passes. And in a PPR, that's going to be a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, flex type of guy. And the, the key about this game, Ross, this is projected at 53.5 points. That's the highest projected over-under of week one. You want to get as many guys from this game in your lineup as possible. And in a potential shootout in, in the, uh, the Superdome, I want guys who can catch passes. That is Duke Johnson. I am playing him at an RB2 level this week. I like it. Um, what about it? Uh, res- oh, oh, for Tunsil. Yeah, your you're right. I thoughts on Laramie Tunsil first, though. Right? Yeah, he's, I mean, the trade, I think, is ridiculous. But he is mm-hmm. a uh, very good player. I, I wouldn't say he's elite. He's not Trent Williams. You know, I, I don't think he's Tyron Smith. But he's getting better and better. He's very gifted. And, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. They needed a left tackle. He was, I guess, available. So they did it. He should, though, just having him should help the offensive line quite a bit, but still not a good offensive line. I mean, that's no. that's the thing. Is there another – is there a tight end to know here, or is there another receiver that should be worth talking about? Keep an eye on Jordan Aikens. Uh, he's the second-year tight end who's like 27 years old, by the way. Um, because Thomas uh, ended up uh, hurting himself. Um, so we have uh, – he's a guy to watch out here, but it, it's not somebody you can play in week one. Um, at wide receiver, I think Will Fuller you can use as a wide receiver three, but I'm interested to see how Kenny Stills is going to be worked into this offense, Ross. Um, and just one more point on the trade here. You can think it was a stupid trade because I do too, and you clearly do, but from a fantasy perspective, we have to analyze – that this offense is better than it was a week ago. That it might have been the worst possible route they could have gone to take it. Ross, I can go out. I can I can open up uh, fourteen different credit cards and go and go buy myself a Maserati right now. It would be miserably stupid, but I would have a nicer car than I do now. And, <laughs> and that's kind of what the Texans did. It, it is a better offense than it was a week ago. You, you can't deny that. It's just a it was a bad route to take, but it is a better offense, and this is going to help them from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean i I think that that's I think that that's well said. What about the Saints? Obviously, 
We know about Kamara. We know about Drew Brees. Well, actually, I take that back. We know about Kamara. We know about Michael Thomas. There have been some people that have been a little down on Drew Brees. What what do you got on Brees and and Jared Cook and any of the other players? Well, number one, I wish Taysom Hill would go away. Uh, I, I'm sure Evan also complained about that on the podcast. I'm Taysom Hill only exists for Sean Payton to tell everybody how smart he is, which he is. Um, but we, he doesn't need to make it th- that that point so uh, egregiously when he's taking a Hall of Famer off the field. The thing with Breeze Ross is he's part of this old guard at the quarterback position where he gives you zero value with his legs. Now, he'll do the sneak at the goal line every once in a while, just like Tom Brady. Uh, Breeze is better at it because uh, he goes over the top. But um, he doesn't give you any value with his legs, which hurts him. And they really built around the run game a lot more last year. And Sean Payton, say what you want. You, you get this view with him and Breeze, with all the records that Breeze has or will have, that they throw the ball around the yard, and they've done that well. But when they won the Super Bowl, they had a top five rushing offense. And Sean Payton really does want to run the football. They went out and they got Latavius Murray, who isn't as good as Mark Ingram. But uh, he's still going to have a role here. Uh, he and Kamara are going to are going to rule the backfield. And the funny part about this team, Ross, is they're projected to score 30 points, which is the highest projected total of the week in the Vegas markets. But there's really only five guys who are startable for fantasy. Michael Thomas, who's a stud who's in your lineup every week. Jared Cook, who probably is in your lineup every week just because of how thin the tight end position is. And Alvin Kamara. Those three are almost certainly in your lineups every week. Latavius Murray and Drew Brees are the two guys you have to make a decision on. I think Brees is a good start this week because he's at home on the highest projected team total of the week. And I think Latavius Murray, given that they're six, six and a half point favorites, is somebody you can also consider thinking they're going to run the football a lot. What I do know, Ross, is a lot of fantasy matchups are going to be swung in this game because it is the highest projected scoring game of the week, and it comes on Monday night. That means a lot of people are going to be biting their nails watching this game on Monday night, and that's always fun for fantasy. Well, and then there's one game after that, and that game is the Denver Broncos at the Oakland Raiders. Denver Broncos, I think I took uh, Royce Freeman in the in the Feast League. I don't know if that means I need Lindsey to get hurt or just for him to get the short yardage goal line stuff. What do you got on the Broncos skill guys? Well, it was really bizarre to me that all off season they tried to replace essentially Philip Lindsay or not replace, but they, they seemed intent on reducing his role. Oh, Royce Freeman looks great. Oh my God. I can't believe it. And then they go out and sign Theo Riddick who's on IR. Uh, so he's not going to be making much of an impact, but because Theo Riddick's on IR, they kept Devontae Booker. Who's one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Um, I'm not so sure that we under, uh, that we didn't underdraft Philip Lindsay. I wonder if we're going to be looking and saying, yeah, we should have just n- trusted our eyes and realized that last year he was their best back and they're going to use him uh, more. I actually thought he didn't do enough in the passing game. So it was bizarre to me that they went out and got Theo Riddick. Um, I don't know if they just view him as somebody who's too small to handle the workload and play the way they want to play. But Philip Lindsay is a guy who I'm int- really intrigued to see how they use against the Raiders. I think both he and Royce Freeman are RB3 types until further notice. I would feel more comfortable uh, with Philip Lindsay, though, of that backfield, Ross. But it's just weird how they seem to be treating him this offseason. Yeah, I think it's fair. What about the tight ends 
and uh, receivers there? I have a lot of Noah Fant, the rookie tight end out of Iowa uh, in best ball. Not somebody I'm starting in week one in a redraft league, but somebody certainly to keep an eye on given how how much Joe Flacco has historically liked throwing to his tight ends. Todd Heap, um, Dennis Pitta, even Mark Andrews in the early part of last year before Flacco got hurt. Those are the guys, I mean, those are guys who put up big-time numbers with Joe Flacco. The wide receiver position I'm a little concerned with, Ross, because Emmanuel Sanders, I know he looked great, but he is coming off two ankle surgeries, including an Achilles. I want to see him perform before I'm really comfortable putting him in my lineup. Uh, I want to see what's going to happen with Deshaun Hamilton. Um, he was a guy who caught a lot of passes at the end of last season, but not for not for a whole lot of yardage. And Cortland Sutton, let's see if he could take a step forward this year. He's more of a wide receiver four type. I'm not thrilled about starting any of these guys. This is actually one of the fantasy teams I'm least excited about at the start of this year. We'll see what happens with the backfield. Lindsey is really the only guy I'd feel comfortable playing on any level in this game. Wow. Nobody for the Raiders, or are you just talking Uh, about the Broncos? I meant from the Broncos standpoint. Okay. For the Raiders... I'm playing Antonio Brown. Tyrell Williams is in that kind of Michael Gallup, Cortland Sutton range where I could see him in your lineup as a four, but he's probably on your bench just because you have guys you feel better about starting him. And I am really excited, Ross, for two particular players on this Raider team. Josh Jacobs, the running back. He didn't play a whole lot in the preseason, but I don't know if you watched him, Ross. He looked uh, as advertised on, like, the four touches he had. He really looked elusive, like he can handle a full workload. And the fact that they cut Doug Martin tells me that they really want Josh Jacobs to be the guy in this backfield. So I'm starting him uh, as an RB2, and I feel good about it. The guy who I'm really excited about watching is Darren Waller, the tight end. I know he was a Hard Knocks star, but everybody's talking him up. The Hard Knocks guy said, oh, he's the fantasy sleeper here, and he's a former wide receiver, so you know he can catch the ball. And Derek Carr's blankie last year was Jared Cook. Jared Cook is gone. Can Darren Waller fill that Jared Cook role? I'm not probably not starting him week one, but don't be shocked if this is a guy who we're consistently ranking in the top ten at tight end come week three and, and, and on once we see what he can do. Anybody else? Obviously, A.B., Carr. What do you, I mean, is A.B. is a no-brainer, obviously, right? Uh, he's a no-brainer, yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's a guy who you got a discount for drafting because of the helmet saga and because the guy, frankly, is nuts. But he's super talented. Um, I liked what I saw from Derek Carr on Hard Knocks. Not somebody I'm interested in playing, even for DFS. Um, this isn't a particularly highly lined game, and uh, the Broncos have a good defense, so I'm not thrilled about playing Derek Carr. Uh, Tyrell Williams is probably, like I said, he's a guy you're going to have to make a decision on. And I also am interested to see if Hunter Renfro is going to be somebody we can consistently start as a PPR guy a little bit later in the season. Gruden seemed to be in love with the guy. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he emerges as somebody who catches 60 passes as a rookie. Excellent work, Dolan. Number one and number two podcasts. Week one in the NFL in the books. And now people can set their lineups. And if they so desire, go ahead to betonline.ag. Use the pro promo code PODCAST1 for that 50% welcome bonus. And now is the time to make sure you have an account. Because I'm in the pigskin pick'em thing. Which means if I go ahead and I get a win 
and beat out the other hosts like Shaq or Dan Patrick or Stone Cold, whoever's in the league, I get 500 bucks to put in your guys' accounts. I can either put 500 bucks in one person's account, $100 in five different people's account. It's up to me. I like having that power, by the way. Not going to lie. BetOnline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. The Even Money Podcast, speaking of that, with Steve Fezzik, will be posting later today on Wednesday, so you have plenty of time to get your bets in before Bears, Packers, and all the other games. Other than that, make sure you check out Andrew Brandt today on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, as well as Greg Cosell tomorrow with his breakdowns. I'm stuffed. We're full. Let's do this. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.